Well, this afternoon, head over to Lucemore Auditorium, Grand Valley's downtown campus. Catch up on your history of the debates that defined America, you know, Lincoln versus Douglas. My next guest will provide the lesson, a scholar and presenter quite schooled in the subject. Formal presentation title, Lincoln and Douglas, the debates that defined America. Hi to you, Professor Alan Gelzo. Glad you're here. Good to be here. All right. Of course, uh, heading over to the auditorium, 1245 start time allpresidents.org for last-minute catch-up on much on your resume. Henry R. Luce, professor of the Civil War era and professor of history at Gettysburg College. That's a beautiful area. It's a wonderful place to do Civil War. It's hard to imagine how you could have a better location to do Civil War than Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. People ask me if my office is anywhere near the battlefield. I tell them uh, my office is on the battlefield. Uh, nice. You are out and about. And, of course, uh, congratulations on your many awards and uh, 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 you claim yourself as author of many publications as well? I confess to the deed. Oh, there we go. All right, you confess to speaking on historic debates. How timely is this subject? Uh, mm-hmm. I would say the clock is ticking. <laughs> That's right. We see you again today. In the time that we have, Professor, can you give me a bit of a kind of a one-on-one on this Lincoln versus Douglas? Lincoln and Douglas are probably the most famous political debates in American history. Nixon and Kennedy probably run a close second, but Lincoln and Douglas are really the model for it. You're looking at two politicians in Illinois. What's at stake is the senior Senate seat from Illinois, which is occupied by Stephen A. Douglas. His challenger is Abraham Lincoln. And it really didn't look like a fair matchup because Stephen A. Douglas was probably the most popular, the most prominent, uh, most influential politician in his own Democratic Party and maybe in America as a whole in 1858. Whereas Abraham Lincoln, he is known throughout the state of Illinois, but not really very much known outside of Illinois. And he's the candidate of the new Republican Party. So he has a number of strikes against him just going into this contest. What makes this more decisive, what makes this more critical, is the fact that the issue between these two candidates is slavery. In 1858, slavery was still legalized in 15 of the United States. And it had been assumed for many, many years after the adoption of the Constitution that while slavery would not be interfered with in the states where it was legalized, the other half of the bargain was that these states would not try to expand and introduce slavery into the Western territories, which had not yet been organized as states. However, that demand grew, and by the 1850s, the southern slaveholding states were demanding a piece of the action in the territories for themselves and for slavery. And this created a paralysis in Congress. It touched off violence in the western territories. And Stephen A. Douglas's solution to all of this was a doctrine he called popular sovereignty. Popular sovereignty essentially said, let's get the debate out of Congress. Let's stop the paralysis. Let's let the people who actually live in the territories decide. So popular sovereignty would put it up to a referendum, put it up to a popular vote. Do we want to legalize slavery in this territory as we're looking towards statehood or not? Lincoln objects to this. The Republican Party is an anti-slavery party. Lincoln is an anti-slavery man. And he regards popular sovereignty as little better than the tip of the camel's nose poking into the tent. Introduce slavery into the territories, Lincoln argues. 
Do it on the basis of popular sovereignty. And what you're doing is you are sugarcoating the path toward legalizing slavery everywhere in the United States. That's really what Lincoln believes is at stake in this controversy. And so these two candidates for the United States Senate go at it hammer and tongs, seven debates, each one of the debates three hours long, because each of the speakers, and they would do this in a rotation, the first would get up and speak for an hour, the second would get up and speak for an hour and a half, and then there would be a half-hour rejoinder from the first speaker, and they traded the lead-off spot as they went. Seven debates, three hours each, and the topic for all three hours in each debate was always slavery. Slavery, popular sovereignty, what are we going to do about slavery in the territories, what's going to be the future, is popular sovereignty workable and legitimate, and this is what gets thoroughly worked out over the course of these seven debates leading toward, of course, Election Day uh, on the 2nd of November, 1858. And what happened on that Election Day? Lincoln lost. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that I've said at this point sort of gets you cheering, come on, Abe, come on, Lincoln, We're, we're for Lincoln. Lincoln is on the side of the angels here. Lincoln should win, and he doesn't. And the reason he doesn't is not because he didn't have the votes, It's because of the weird electoral situation in Illinois in 1858. You see, in 1858, Shelley, states elected, state legislatures elected U.S. senators. There was no direct election by the people of U.S. senators. It was the state legislatures which did the electing. And that meant that what was really being voted for on November 2nd was not Lincoln or Douglas, but rather state legislators who were pledged to Lincoln or to Douglas. Now, if we went and toted up the exact popular vote for Republican or for Democratic candidates, Lincoln ought to have won because Republican candidates brought in about 54% of the vote. Douglas got about 45%. Douglas really should have been shellacked, and that would have been a political upset of colossal proportions. However, the Illinois apportionment system heavily weighted delegates from the southern, the older southern districts of the state of Illinois, which were intensely loyal to Douglas. And so Douglas, because of the uh, misguided apportionment system in Illinois, actually gets more votes in the state legislature than he deserves. And so when the state legislature meets in January of 1859, it's Douglas who is elected. Even then, even with this misguided apportionment system. If there had been a change of votes of, let's say, 75 to 100 votes in three of the districts out of the 100 districts that were holding elections that November, if there had been changes that small in just three of those districts, Lincoln would have won apportionment notwithstanding. That is how close he actually came to the upset of the 19th century. Professor Alan Gelzo is here where you're speaking with. You'll see him in action this day, 1245, on behalf of the Howenstein Center for Presidential Studies. Head to the Lucemore Auditorium. I was told you were talented and passionate, and that's, that's for sure. What is your audience in store for today? Well, we're going to talk about Lincoln and Douglas. We're going to talk about the way people, first of all, believe they know what Lincoln and Douglas is. Of course, doesn't everybody know what Lincoln and Douglas is? All you have to say is Lincoln and Douglas, and especially in this election year. We have heard Lincoln and Douglas invoked repeatedly. 
Uh, first of all, we've heard comparisons between candidate debates and the primaries, and usually the comparisons uh, do not pay a very generous compliment to the way we have done candidate debates in the primaries compared to Lincoln and Douglas. But in fact, there's many, many things about the Lincoln-Douglas debates that we don't realize. I mean, one of them, for instance, is this whole matter of who actually won the debates. Why is it that Abraham Lincoln does not, in fact, become the senior senator from Illinois? And there's a galaxy of other things. Sometimes it seemed like the debates as they went on, were a kind of cross between Bugs Bunny and a Charles Ives symphony. I mean, just extremes of ludicrous, circus-like behavior with political discussions of the utmost gravity and sincerity and political rhetoric of the highest order, maybe of an order that we haven't really seen in American political life since 1858. So we're going to explore all these dimensions of the story, all the extremes of the story, sometimes the funny stories, sometimes the serious stories, and the stories are the great things that I enjoy telling. Then finally, we're just going to ask the question, what really were the Lincoln-Douglas debates about? Yes, they were about slavery. But was there a larger dimension to them that still speaks to us? I think there is. I think this larger dimension, and I'm not going to give it away right at this moment. I think think it's this larger dimension which really keeps us coming back to the Lincoln-Douglas debates and keeps the whole idea of them current, keeps people interested in this subject, especially now in what is the 150th anniversary of the Lincoln-Douglas debates this year. Yeah. Again, seeing you this afternoon, I understand the overflow seating available, so come on down. It's a free event on behalf of uh, Howenstein Center, allpresidents.org, for more information. These encounters, Professor, this key question in American political life, what is democracy's purpose? Can you follow up? There's a real division, and long has been in American political life, as to what the purpose of democracy is. We all say that we love democracy, but what do we think that democracy actually does? Is democracy about principle? Is it driven by principle? Or is democracy about process? Is it really just a collection of procedural rules? On the one hand, we like democracy to be about process. We don't like democracy to get messed up with metaphysical or religious or ideological or philosophical questions. We just want a plain, straightforward statement of what the dollars and cents facts are. And whatever people think about right and wrong and morals and ethics, well, that's fine for them. They should guide their private lives by it. But we don't really think that democracy is about bringing these kinds of questions onto the public square. That's why we have a wall of separation between church and state. That's why we don't have any kind of official standard of American morality, so to speak. We try to, as as a democracy, we try to settle our questions in an objective and neutral spirit. And the problem with that is it only goes so far. Because if you run your your democracy entirely by procedural rules then what happens to the interior core? What happens to the values of the democracy? We don't call it a democracy if two wolves and a lamb sit down and take a vote about dinner. And in the same sense, is it really an example of process? Is it really an example of democracy? If we sit down with an issue like slavery 
and just say, as Stephen A. Douglas said, I don't care whether slavery is voted up or voted down in the territories so long as the procedural rules are followed. Now, at that point, we balk and we say, wait a minute, you can't just take a referendum on something like human bondage. You just can't take a 51% majority and say, because 51% of the people are in favor of slavery, therefore we will have slavery and we will legalize slavery. We don't, we don't do that. We would wrangle at that. And yet, that's exactly the point. We're bringing a principle to bear in our democracy. So which is it then? Is democracy about process or about principle? For Stephen A. Douglas, democracy is about process. For Abraham Lincoln, democracy is about principle. For Douglas, process is an end in itself. Democracy is simply the, the, the end that you achieve by taking that 51% poll. For Abraham Lincoln, democracy is a means, a means toward realizing the natural rights encoded in the Declaration of Independence. Those principles that Jefferson talked about, right to life, a right to liberty, the right to the pursuit of happiness, those are things which Lincoln insisted are simply not negotiable, simply not the kinds of things you can put to a vote. More from you today, 1245 Loosemore Auditorium, allpresidents.org. Again, a free event. Take advantage of it. Professor Alan Gelzo, professing at Gettysburg College. Where would be a contact information for you, please? Go to www.gettysburg.edu and click on the button that says Uniquely Gettysburg for our Civil War programs. Great. Enjoy your your time here in West Michigan. Thank you much.